Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking with Joy, a podcast to fill your soul, challenge your mind, and make you brave. I'm your host, Joy Clarkson, and an evangelist for all things good, true, and beautiful. So make yourself a cup of tea, find somewhere comfortable, and let's dive in to this week's episode. Love is not power. To love is to be vulnerable, and it is only in vulnerability and risk, not safety and security, that we overcome darkness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Reading with Joy, my summer book club, where we are exploring A Wrinkle in Time, a strange but wonderful book, which has really encouraged me in this strange and sometimes wonderful time that we all find ourselves in 2020. The fun thing about doing this book club is that every week I've invited a different friend to talk about the book with me, and I'm so excited today to have on my friend, my Colorado friend, Brandy Knowles. Welcome, Brandy. Thank you, Joy. I'm so excited. I've been loving your book club. It's been so fun um, to do this and hear people talk about it, and we decided to do this a couple of weeks ago when um, I got back. We just thought it would be so fun. So today... We are sitting on my porch outside, so if you hear any chirping birds, that is how we're doing this. And uh, a, I guess, I guess it's sort of a socially distanced podcast. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, so before we get into anything, tell everybody about yourself a bit, Brandy. Well, I am... A friend of your family for what now I think 14 years that's crazy to me and it's just been lovely getting to know each and every one of you differently but um, also I I've been here in Colorado for 14 years I have two girls mm-hmm. um, that are 22 and 23 mm-hmm. uh, one is married and one is engaged oh my gosh and my busy hus- year for you guys yes very busy <laughs> year back to back uh, my husband and I have been married for 25 years mm-hmm together for 28. Um, I work for um, a publishing house, David C. Cook, Mm -hmm. who produces Christian curriculum Mm -hmm. for Sunday school courses, um, Christian authors, and such things like that. Uh, And then in my free time, I absolutely love cooking. And if if you see my uh, Instagram, you would know that. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Brandy, this is the thing we look, I look forward to every time I come home, is that um, we always, I mean, Brandy's just an amazing creative cook. And whenever we come home, we try to have at least one brunch all together. And um, although this this time we had a Baja lunch, we didn't we? did. We yeah. had Baja tacos. We had what was it? What did we eat? We had shrimp tacos. Shrimp tacos. What's that called though? What was the, um, the it filling? was oh, I made Sir, a shrimp ceviche. Ceviche. It was yeah, so that's good. right. And then we had that wonderful mango pineapple salsa. Oh my gosh, it was so. good. It was good. Yeah. So you should follow Brandy's Instagram if you want to <laughs> just have your mouth water all the time. But um, Brandy's just a celebrator of life and yes. of fun and. I was just recalling, Brandy always forgets this, but when I was in high school, she taught a class. I don't remember what the class was. The main thing I remember is that we read The Keeper of the Bees. It was like a high school literature I think class. it was a high school literature yeah. class. And I, Pretty we, basic. <laughs> yeah, and we read The Keeper of the Bees by Gene Stratton Porter, mm-hmm. who we both love. I, I love should, it. I should do a Gene Stratton Porter book club someday. You really should. I'd be all over that. <laughs> and, um, and so I was in your class when I was, gosh, 
how I don't know 14, hard to 15? believe yeah. yeah you were probably a freshman or a sophomore yeah yeah and I just remember loving that that book and so it's, I feel it's very appropriate for us to be yes. discussing books once again I love it yeah so this is very fun so okay what I usually like to do is to try to give kind of a overview of what happened in the chapter this is a little chapter it's just mm -hmm. like 11 pages I think in my book mm -hmm. um, but a lot is kind of packed in there so a lot of decision making a lot of decision making mm -hmm. a lot of opportunities to use muscle mm -hmm. you know i talked to with my mom a couple weeks ago about how you know the mrs w's kind of prepare them and they like don't hide them from the fact this is going to be a battle mm -hmm. um and this i feel like is where they really get into that and um it reminds me of you know People always make jokes about, uh, in Star Wars, you know, come to the dark side, we have cookies. But that's <laughs> that's kind of the, that's the vibe of this chapter. It definitely is. It's, is. it's them kind of being invited to, to join the dark side, give up, you know, there's all these things. So mm -hmm. it comes right after Charles Wallace has kind of been taken over. And uh, Calvin keeps on calling it being hypnotized, but it almost kind of sounds more like almost like being possessed like you right. we realize that the prime coordinator is that who is is speaking through charles wallace and mm -hmm. that charles wallace is kind of like lost to meg and this is really terrifying to her and she like um they they try to get him back try to overpower him but then ultimately he has a strength that's not his own right. and so then they they ask the prime coordinator if they can find their father and he says well charles charles wallace will lead you and while Charles Wallace is leading them um, to their father, uh, he starts kind of like telling them about Camazots and, you know, how it's uh, how it's the best place because they've gotten rid of pain and they've, and, you know, you have these kind of horrifying moments where he's like, you know, we don't have sickness here anymore because if someone gets sick, we just kill them. They don't have to go on for months and months with a runny nose. Um, Could you imagine? Oh. No, it's, it's horrifying. Um, and... And so he's doing that, and they're trying, you know, Calvin is trying to, like, draw him out of his shell. Uh, Meg is just feeling, she's kind of struggling to push down her panic. Mm -hmm. And then, at the very end, the cliffhanger of all cliffhangers, the thing we've been waiting for since the very first chapter, Meg screams, Father! And that's where we end. So that right. is, that's kind of like what happens in the chapter. What were some, what were some themes or things you found interesting in this chapter? Well, the biggest thing I found interesting about this chapter is just Meg having to make a decision hmm. whether or not she was going to take what um, Mrs. Who's it? And I always call them the Mrs. W's. The Mrs. W's had to say um, hmm. they were trying to prepare, like you said, for this next phase. Hmm. And um, she had to decide whether or not she was going to take part in it mm. or um, just resign herself to whatever happened. And mm. I'm so glad she chose to yeah. think and to be brave and mm -hmm. to not give in to what Charles Wallace was trying to convince her of, mm. which was to just conform. Yeah. Just, just to relax. conform, just relax. You know, um, if you if you rock the boat, you're this is going to be really painful for you. Yeah. And, and it was hard for her and she did cry out for help mm. and the help did not come. Yeah. But it, uh, from what Mrs. What's, What's it, it? She was asking, yeah. but, um, it just made her really, like you said, it, she had, it was her turn to use her muscle. And so many times in life I've had to decide, okay, I've been prepared. Um, people have given me the pep talks. I have all the information. I've read book upon book upon book. Okay, Brandy, it's your this turn to moment. like, 
Yeah. You know, show your muscle. Show, you know, you can only be fed for so long. Until you, you have to give mm -hmm. back at some point. There always comes a moment where you you have to be brave. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so, we were talking about how there's this really significant little line where she calls out for Mrs. Wetzit and it says, but Mrs. Wetzit did not come. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think, I think you're right. I think it's very inspiring to think about. There will be a moment for all of us where, whatever that means. I think for me, it was being in my PhD and realizing that you know, I've been supported by my family. I have been helped by my advisor. I have been, but nobody can write my PhD for me. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's that moment or when you all of a sudden realize at some point in adulthood that even if you're sad and tired, like you still have to make money and pay your bills. There's, mm -hmm. and those are obviously very like mundane examples, but there's mm -hmm. moments for all of us where we've been given as many tools as we can, mm -hmm. but you have to make the choice. And, and move forward and be brave. It makes me, I've been talking with my mom about kind of some decisions in my life. And it makes me think about in, in the book of James where he's like, you know, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask of the Lord. But when he tells you, um, do, you know, kind of move forward with it. Because if you don't, you'll be tossed Toss back like and forth. Wind. Like, yeah, like the wind. And yeah. this like is- Like the seas. Yeah, like the seas. And yeah. I always think that when there's stormy days in St. Andrews, it's just so- Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so this is her moment where she has to decide. She has to not be tossed by the winds. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was really interesting because, you know, up to this point, um, Meg struggles so much with being different and, mm -hmm. um, and feeling kind of outside and not loved or not whatever. And, and when Calvin is narrating to her, like, well, you know, differences, that's what causes wars. That's what causes... And, you know, so wouldn't you like it if there weren't wars and all this conflict? And then she finally owns for herself. She's like, I don't like being different, but um, surely it is not. Be uh, surely this is not better. Right. And it's kind of like this thing that she's been wrestling with and not wanting to accept. She mm -hmm. all of a sudden owns for herself. You yeah, I mean? because when you become like everyone else, there's a numbness that mm -hmm. just covers you. You don't know your own identity. Mm -hmm. And we, as me, as a Christian, mm -hmm. I want to know who what my identity is and who I am. And that and shapes how you live. Yeah, it does. It shapes how I live. And I don't want to just live a numb life being mm. like everybody else on this planet. Mm. We're supposed to be different. Yeah. We're supposed to be unique. Yeah. You know, so I think that's an important thing that she finally realizes that although it is hard mm -hmm. and someday she feels very unhappy, mm -hmm. she also mentions that if you aren't unhappy, sometimes you don't know how to be happy. Mm. So I feel like that is a significant thing to understand in life in general. When kids mm. are reading stories or mm. we're, we're teaching our children or our friends something mm. or discussing something that has to do with um, finding who we are mm. or knowing that our differences don't necessarily define us, but mm -hmm. they're, they, um, they create a unique person of yeah. us and that's what makes life beautiful yeah I love I love what you said about unhappiness and about numbness because that's one of the main things that Charles Wallace mm -hmm. is kind of like trying to get her in with is there won't be any pain right and I feel like that is I was thinking about it somebody um, on my patreon discussion we were talking about with Eve when after the fall God says to her I'll increase your pain in childbirth mm -hmm. but that implies that somehow there already was pain, even though it's supposed to be a perfect world before the fall. Mm -hmm. And it got me to thinking about how we, we think of pain or discomfort or even unhappiness as like this inherently bad thing. Right. But 
I think that pain, vulnerability, struggle is necessary for growth, for being, for choice. Mm -hmm. You know, if we don't want to be automatons, right. we have to be able to make choices and that sometimes causes pain. And I even just think about like, in my life, there've been several moments, even like in relationships where I did something and it caused me discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. But, and, and in my natural kind of pain resistant self, I'd be like, oh, then that means it's wrong. Like if it's causing me discomfort, it must be wrong. Mm -hmm. But sometimes pain or discomfort is a sign of growth or a sign of struggling for something that's worthwhile. It absolutely is. I mean, on a physical standpoint, like I'll tell you, I'm a, a marathon runner. Yeah as you know, and I'm still running half marathons right now, but I'm telling you, if you do not train, mm. if you do not do the uncomfortable thing, if you don't wake up at five in the morning and run and you choose to wait until noon mm -hmm. when it's scorching hot outside, mm -hmm. you're not gonna get the same results. Mm. And it's gonna be honestly painful either way, if you think yeah. about it. But also so the pain choose teaches the right, you, yeah. Choose the right you kind know, pain. pain. Like yeah. actually take the time to um, discipline yourself. Mm to do the thing that you know is going to help you grow the most. Yeah. Grow in a healthy direction, not in an unhealthy direction. Yeah, and so imagining like him trying to appeal to a life without pain mm -hmm. is really appealing to a life without growth, without um, achieving things. You right. know, I think uh, doing a PhD is one long experience. <laughs> it's like, I don't mean it's painful, but it's a long, dis discomfort. You know what I mean? It's a long, discomfort. but anything you do like with marathons, yeah. uh, my mom always says, I'm not, I don't understand the physiology behind this, but that like to build a muscle, mm -hmm. you have to tear a muscle. You have to tear a muscle and it is painful. Yeah. It's a kind of a good pain though, because, yeah. and that's like in life too, when you have to make these hard choices and do the, the thing that you know you have to do, even if it causes you pain, it's a weird thing between like when you pull a muscle, that's mm. pain. Like my body's telling me that's a bad pain, mm -hmm. but when you tear a muscle because you're exercising and that's mm -hmm. how you build muscle, it's almost like this wonderful soreness. Like yeah. I've just been through something that helped me grow yeah. my muscle. Yeah. So, and that's kind of how it is. You yeah. Know? And so by trying to, trying to pull them into a life without pain, he's really pulling them away from a life that has meaning. That has meaning. Cause I think that's the thing. Um, and I thought about this a lot with some of my, uh, talked with my other friends too, that sometimes we're so afraid of pain, but pain always kind of tells us something mm -hmm. about either what we're doing wrong or what we're doing right. It, it, it has meaning. Mm -hmm. And to try to erase pain is to erase meaningful choices, I think. Right. And it's, it's to erase the fact that when we choose things, it has different results. Mm -hmm. And well, even in relationships, Joy. Yeah. I mean, we are not all alike. Thank God mm -hmm. he gives us a free will and yeah. we get to be unique as he's created us to be. But in relationships, sometimes you struggle and mm -hmm. you have pains mm -hmm. in your relationships, but they're worthwhile. So yeah. we struggle through the uncomfortableness. We have the discussions we need to have with people mm -hmm. in order to maintain relationship. I was, this is a really funny example, but last week we were watching Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Because. <laughs> one of my faves. It's so good. We were watching the five, the, like, you know, the BBC one with uh -huh. all the episodes. Because we needed, like, something kind of fun. We're all just working too much. And, um, and I was struck by, I hadn't thought about this before. The scene where he proposes to Lizzie is really brutal. Like, they're really mean to each other. <laughs> but I was thinking about how it is kind of like the seed that then makes them eventually come back together because mm -hmm. they're vulnerable 
and they kind of wound each other. It's like that. It's like that. Um, that proverb says, "Faithful are the wounds of a friend." Mm-hmm. But because she realizes her prejudice and he realizes his pride, even though it's a painful thing, ultimately it makes them able to be close, right? Because they've been they've had something revealed and it's been painful. It brings them close, and I think again, it's that. Pain is not always the sign that something's going wrong. No. Even though our bodies and our emotions are always like, oh, I'm in pain. Some, this must be the wrong thing. But sometimes it's what brings us forward. And humility of humanity. Yes. Bringing us together. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. What were, what, were there any other things for you that you got in this chapter that I haven't hit on yet? Well, I just think that it's interesting that they really hit hard on like a system of government, kind mm-hmm. of like a to- totalitarianism, mm-hmm. kind of a system where um, you don't rock the boat, Mm -hmm. everybody does the same thing, there's Mm -hmm. no differences because differences um, create problems, Mm -hmm. and how it's so similar to some of the times we're in right now, and how like people are afraid to voice their opinions, Mm -hmm. and I think part of that is because they don't know what their opinion really is. Mm. They think they know what it is, but they haven't really looked inward and go, why do I believe what I believe? Mm. I think that's such an important thing nowadays because people are so busy being distracted, including mm-hmm. myself. I yeah. mean, social media is a bear. It is. Like, it's hard to live <laughs> without it and it's hard to live with it. Yes. So it's one of those things where you have to constantly be looking inward and asking yourself, um, Lord, search my heart because mm. I don't want to just, you know, fall in line and I want to have an opinion, but I want to know why I have that opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really important. I think Meg gets that. She gets that, like, no, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. And no, Kamazots isn't the answer. Mm -hmm. And we need to find dad and we need to draw you back. Yes. Something that struck me about that was I was thinking about, again, with the pain thing, right? Mm -hmm. That it's like um, they're tempted to to say yes to this kind of totalitarian, totalitarian regime because it promises safety and security. And I think that ironically I feel like most of us think well I don't do that like whichever side I'm on is not the one that's promising you know you know comfort and and security and stuff but I see in our world uh there's not one side whatever the side is that is not promising safety and security and the thing I feel like that Meg sees is that to be wise you have to be willing to embrace ambiguity and not tie yourself to something just because it promises you to be safe if you align with it you know and I think that's so much harder it's so much more uncomfortable but it's um but it's more real and it's more human that was something that struck me was um you know thinking about well how do you pull out of that you have to pay attention to the humanness Mm -hmm. I love Calvin's gift of course is that he is a communicator right and I love when Meg reminds him of that. And he, she's like, do you remember? She told you, use your gift of communication. And um, and the way that he does that, the way he pulls Charles Wallace kind of out of the propaganda that he's giving to them mm-hmm. is by reminding him of his humanness, mm-hmm. of his relationships, of his father, of of Meg. And, um, and that that's really, that's the answer to this kind of fearful, you know, is, is to attend to people's humanity and remind them of their loyalty. Mm-hmm. And those are things that... Is that searching within again? Yeah, and that mm-hmm. that's the thing that kind of pulls Charles Wallace out of it, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and and I think that's just very countercultural. We want to always to 
argue and to find the right logic, but sometimes the thing you have to do is kind of, I love um, G.K. Chesterton says, sometimes to a mind that's caught up in a crazy argument, you don't need to give it another argument, you need to give it air. I love that. And that's what, that's what Calvin does, is he's trying to look him in the eyes and remind him of humanity and of love and his loyalties, and that's the thing that almost pulled him out. Just reaching his heart. Yeah. Instead of having one more debate about something that isn't really going to bring him back. Yeah. The debate doesn't bring him back. No. Reaching his heart brings him back. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Well, and it's funny because Mr. Murray, one time in the story, is talking to Meg, and he suggests that um, less for security mm-hmm. forces false choices mm. and panic search for safety and conformity. Mm. So when she was with her dad, you know mm. how they they would be together mm-hmm. and they do their scientific things. Mm-hmm. I that's not a word. <laughs> <laughs> we we must both you be know, scientists. But I mean he he was just really trying to engage her and to let her know that it's okay to be a little unsure. Yeah. But not to lust for security. Mm. necessarily in in things mm. because it only is going to lead you to false choices or bad choices even. Mm. I think false choices are really interesting um, way to put it. Way to put it because mm-hmm. it's not just saying bad choices. It's it's almost like saying it's an untrue choice. Yeah, like they like these are not the only options. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like if someone were to be like, well, false. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like if someone were to be like, well, you can either eat poison or you can eat a hamburger. You know what I mean? And right. it's like, surely there are other things I could eat. You know what I mean? And that's that's a dumb, you know. But that's, so that's what he's saying is that it's it pushes you into choices that re- maybe really aren't the only choices. Right. And those false choices also lead to darkness. Mm. So, I mean, you have to think about how they really talk about the darkness mm. as well and how they're trying to find the light. Yeah. They don't want to be in the darkness. They don't want to be... It's like a void. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Kamazatsu is a void mm. because everybody's kind of blank. Yeah. Blank and numb. That's the thing is, is they've given up the right to feel pain almost. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes back to the, the quote that I read at the beginning, which you said was from Madeline. Yes. Where I'm going to read it again because yeah, I it. think this is really the heart of the story. Yes. Um, and this is very similar to a C.S. Lewis quote too. Love is not power. To love is to be vulnerable, and it is only in vulnerability and risk, not safety and security, that we overcome darkness. Mm-hmm. And, I, and love is not, it's not produced by fear. So you know when people are afraid, they try to defend themselves. Mm-hmm. But when you're doing things out of love and you're trying to reach somebody through love, yeah. it's, it's, it's not... It's defenseless. Yeah, there's no, there's no defense mechanisms, no walls put up. Mm. It's to make yourself open. I I mean, I just, I can't help but think of Jesus in that, right? That Mm -hmm. God's way of redeeming us is not to come down in a a show of power. Mm -hmm. It's to make himself vulnerable to all the things that humans are vulnerable to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's such a radical, a radical rejection of the thing that makes us want to be secure and be brave and be, it's saying, how can I, how can I be a part of the love that redeems things by making itself vulnerable? Mm -hmm. And I think that's an interesting thing too. When I am not feeling loving, I get really defensive. I do too. And I think that's an interesting thing for, thing for us to think about is what makes us defensive? What makes us go to that place of feeling like I need to, you know, be afraid and be secure? Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, in, investigating our own hearts. And, um, and I feel like that's what Meg and Calvin keep on doing throughout this is they're kind of managing, like, what it is that makes them afraid and defensive and trying to move back to that place of of vulnerability and love 
as they're trying to call Charles Wallace right. out of his... It's like, what can we do next? You know, they're just yeah. constantly going back and forth of yeah. um, trying to gird each other up. Yes. In this process of bringing Charles Wallace back. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. So, Brandy, what's going to come? I don't know. There's I, just so much. I'm worried that their dad will be caught by the it, too. But I guess we'll see. We'll see He's week. there. I believe in Meg. I believe. I believe in, in Calvin. In Calvin. I believe that Charles Wallace will be, his eyes will be opened. I just, I have to believe that. I have to believe it too. And I guess we'll have to see next week. Okay. Excited that you're coming. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you me. for having me, Joy. It's always lovely to spend time with you. It's so much fun. And we're starting to get a lovely, rain. much needed afternoon rain that's right so we'll go have to enjoy the breeze and enjoy the cooling off i can't wait to hear everybody's um thoughts and in the discussion post on instagram and facebook leave your thoughts for this week and i'll catch you next week on chapter i think it's nine. chapter nine. nine we're three-fourths of the way there wow it's wild all right <laughs> thanks everybody thanks for listening and thanks brandy for joining me thank you